Hello and welcome to Connected episode 281. It's made possible by our sponsors, Squarespace, Direct Mail, and SetApp from MacPaw. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined by Mike Hurley. Oh, hi. That's weird. Just say hi like a normal person. Hi like a normal person. I'm just going to move on, you weirdo. And we're joined by Federico Vitici. Buonasera, Steven. Hi. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I don't know what's up with Mike, but I think the two of us are ready to go. Why does there have to be something wrong with me? Because you said hi in a creepy way. No, I didn't. I just said it. Mm. Do you think it was creepy, Federico? I didn't find it creepy. I thought See? it was more... I thought it was more... Uh, romantic? Yeah, I'll go romantic. Alluring is what I'm going for. Yeah, alu- that's a beautiful adjective. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. All right. It's my new yearly theme. Alluring. The, the year of allure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with follow-up, and that means starting... Should we, though? Should we? Uh, yes. Really start? Look, when I'm gone, so I'm going to miss an episode in a couple of weeks, and I know you guys are going to do everything... In the wrong order. But I'm here, and I'm still in charge somewhat of announcing the show. And so we're going to talk about follow-up first. And the two of you were just on for the ride. We're going to start with Apple Watch Keyboard. So we spoke about this recently. It was the last episode about uh, Scribble and things we'd want on watchOS and all these things. And in the meantime, there's been a review of a watchOS app called FlickType over on Mac Stories. Federico, can you explain this app? I played with it, but I find it difficult to talk about for some reason. Yeah, so I wasn't familiar with this app before, but then a bunch of people recommended uh, recommended the app to us on Twitter. And so we decided to take a look. Um, and I was sort of familiar with the name because I saw that it was mentioned in some like other watch apps, like Chirp, for example, the Twitter client for the Apple Watch, sort of integrated with the FlickType keyboard. But it turns out that FlickType is more like a, like a suite of products. There's FlickType, which is the like the main one, which is an Apple Watch keyboard. Uh, but there's also FlickType Notes, which is sort of similar, but based on note-taking. So the main idea behind the FlickType keyboard is that it is a QWERTY keyboard that you launch as an app on your watch. And you can actually type uh, with a software keyboard. You Basically, you can swipe, of course, but you can tap letters. And the app does a reasonably decent job at picking up the words that you wanted to enter using autocorrect. And then when you're done, you can tap done. And you will... Basically, what the app does, I, I had no idea that this was possible for... Uh, watch developers, it'll open the Messages app from Apple and it'll open the Compose box with the message filled in. So you just need to enter a recipient or a group and you will send the message. So the idea would be that you can, if you need to reply to a message and you don't want to use dictation and you don't want to use the scribble feature of watchOS, you can open the Flick Type app, you can actually type out a response and then you tap send you enter the recipient and you can send the reply that way. It's surprisingly, I mean, considering the limitations and the fact that it's a it's a third-party app, it's not an integrated native feature of watchOS, I was honestly surprised by how well it works. And sure enough, it gets uh, some words wrong occasionally. Uh, what's nice is that you can spin the digital crown to choose between multiple options for the word that yep. you just entered. That's nice. So that's nice. Um, I should say, though, that I tested it on a 44-millimeter watch. 
I have no idea how this app will scale on a smaller watch, like mm-hmm. the 40 or even the 38 for those people who have still an older model. So uh, I'm surprised. And there's a bunch of settings that you can uh, configure on the iPhone. There's an iPhone app, of course. Uh, you open the iPhone app and you can choose, like, do you want to show the space bar? Um, there's a bunch of other tweaks for punctuation and that kind of stuff that you can change. But otherwise, I mean, it works well. But this one should really be Sherlocked by Apple. Uh, it should really become a native feature of WatchOS 7 because it's possible. I mean, why not? Why not offer multiple input methods? And if anything, I think FlickType makes a good case for Apple to copy this feature and actually make it available system-wide. I think this is like a decent idea. I think focusing it around iMessages probably makes sense. I can't imagine another flow that would work where like you get a message in one app and then go to another app to send the reply. Like messages feels like the only real communication method, like short messages that you could do that with, right? Where you could just read something in a notification and then not need to necessarily refer back to it that often, right? Because you've gone out to another application to send the message. So I think it's pretty clever. I would assume Apple is probably working on something like this, right? Like, I mean, maybe... Uh, I think they're pretty confident in their the watch should be used with your voice kind of thing and not be a tiny phone. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it is very clever. And I think that anything Apple could do to make the watch input better serves it well as it becomes more independent of the other devices, right? Like you need some sort of reliable text input if you're going to leave your phone behind. And Scribble and these other things do a pretty good job. But as we spoke about, there are some holes, um, which does bring me to Apple's Scribble feature. So we, I, I think in particular, had complained about lack of autocomplete, and it turns out that it kind of has it. So as you start writing in Scribble, you get a couple letters in, and then you see an up-down arrow in the top right corner, and you can either tap that or turn the digital crown and choose from words that it thinks you're going to write. Uh, listener Andy sent that in. And I had no idea that, that that was there. I've seen those arrows, and I've just never done anything with them. Um, and it's I don't think it's as, as good as what FlickType does, but it is handy and, of course, built into any text input on the watch. All right. So, Mike, uh, I have a follow-up question for you. I want to know how the Moshi iVisor is going for you. So this is that weird screen protector that seems to defy the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. because it doesn't create bubbles and you Somehow, can just yeah. take it off and reapply it, which I've already done because when I, I realized in my application that I, there was like a tiny piece of dirt, so I had to take it off to get the dirt out and then put it back and no bubbles. I still don't Did know how it's possible. Did you wash it? You know it's washable. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, but like I, I didn't feel the requirement to wash it yet. Like, uh-huh. have you washed yours? No, I wanted no. to, but then I've seen the instructions and it's like a multi-step procedure and i don't really want to ever do it yeah i don't think that it's a nice thing to necessarily watch them but mm-hmm. i liked it so much that i bought one for my larger ipad uh, which has arrived and i've replaced the uh, paper like with it now so i'm using the moshi iVisor on both ipads i've noticed that sometimes if you're 
sometimes when I use the Apple Pencil, if I'm like scrolling up or down, it makes a weird squeaking noise, which is strange. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like the, there's something about like the texture of the, the eye visor and the Apple Pencil that like if you do it just right, it's like, you know, like that kind of thing. It's, it's crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't like this. Bring the paper like back. But I love it. I really love it. I love the texture. I love the matte look. Um, you do. I do have to have my brightness typically cranked up more than um, I have with previously. Like, you know, but I noticed this with the paper like too. Uh, but I'm I'm super in on these eye visors. It's, it's it's awesome. It's just the right level for me of like providing me with the matte texture, not affecting mm-hmm. the screen too much, and also um, not having a ton of bubbles. Yeah, so yeah. I'm really it, in on it. I, I, I love it. So I ordered it from uh, from Amazon and it got delivered by FedEx, which just seemed peculiar. But there we go. Yeah. Speaking of Amazon, I just wanted to follow up on this. Uh, I think we we mentioned this in, in private in our conversations. Um, since I published my uh, sort of tutorial on how to mod AirPods, the people have been telling me like every basically every single day I get a picture on Twitter of somebody who applied uh, the custom silicone uh, the custom foam tips to the silicone uh, ear tips for AirPods Pro. Uh, I published this in back in December, and I still basically get a tweet every single day. And people keep telling me that the uh, on Amazon Japan, where I purchased those, um, they're called the the Symbio foam tips. Those are basically regularly sold out uh, every mm-hmm. every few days. Uh, so um, I don't know. I, I just thought that was an interesting fact that so much. Like I have literally gotten hundreds of pictures from all over the world of people modding their AirPods, which I thought was. I, I think it's it's so amusing to see that <laughs> you know folks are just performing this mod. I just thought that maybe like ten people would like it, and so that's why I I posted about it. But then like their reaction was so unusual. Uh, it sort of uh, it, it makes me want to do more mods. To my uh, to to my devices, I think it's a, it's a one of the things that I want to explore in 2020 is to actually make more of this custom stuff because it's fun and it resonates with people at a very different level than say making custom shortcuts and that kind of stuff. I don't know. It just feels uh, it just feels nice to share and and have instructions. You know, it's almost like I'm doing manual work, which I never do, even though it's just, it's just like I'm modding my iPads or my iPhones. But it's a nice change of pace. So that's just something that I wanted to mention. Well, I guess the uh, the the screen protectors are just more mods, though, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that, and you know, I'm using the. The cover body case with the I've even I don't know have we talked about the fact that my pencil now has sleeves on it? What do no, you mean we have sleeves. Well, there's there's a black there's a there's a black sleeve uh, on mm. my Apple pencil, but mm-hmm. then there's also like a separate cap for the tip. It's like a, it's a two piece setup, like the, like a bathing suit. <laughs> Like a, it's a it's two a pencil, piece. It's a bikini for the pencil. <laughs> you remember that? We have a two piece. That's yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody ever says that. But you can say that about the pencil. Moving on. Uh, oh yeah, this is also oh, something that I wanted to mention. Um, so last year, uh, Apple sort of um, introduced their own answer to the Spotify Wrapped uh, end of the year playlist. Very famously, at the end of the year, Spotify for several years now has generated an automatic playlist and sort of look back at the past 12 months for you to show you the music that you've been into over the course of a year. 
Spotify Wrapped is awesome. Uh, and it's so well done. It's like a breakdown of your top artists, your top songs and albums that if you remember, uh, about two years ago, I made my own shortcut for that called Apple Music Wrapped, which worked and people really liked it. But of course, I mentioned in the story, I really want Apple to make this their own native feature. And sure mm-hmm. enough, in sometime in December or November, Apple introduced uh, Apple Music Replay, which is a way to generate... Uh, um, uh, playlists with your top songs and artists and albums albums of the year. When they launched it, they also launched a website that you can go. It's replay.music.apple.com. And not only did they make a version for 2019, but they also retroactively made playlists for you for all the years since you've been an Apple Music user. So in my case, I have playlists dating back all the way to 2015, which is when Apple Music launched. Now, when the feature was introduced, I remember uh, that in the TechCrunch story, it was suggested that Apple Music Replay was not going to be just a feature, like a playlist that you get sometime in December before the year is over, but more like of a more like a constantly updating sort of service. And let me quote this from the original TechCrunch article. Uh, they said, but while Spotify's Wrapped is more of an annual retrospective, Apple Music Replay will continue to be updated all year long, evolving as your musical tastes and interests do throughout the year. The playlist and its associated data insights will be updated on Sundays to reflect subscribers' latest listening activity, says Apple. Now, Every Sunday since 2020 uh, rolled in, I've been checking the Apple Music Replay website and there's still nothing. Like, I actually have a reminder for myself to check every Sunday. Federico, you're the cutest. Do you know that? Oh, well, some people uh, believe so. Thank you. I believe so. You're one of them. Uh, It is now February 12, 2020. There's been a few Sundays, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know how many, probably seven, eight. I can't count, really. Uh, but it's been, you know, it's well into 2020 at this point. Still no Six. Apple Music Replay. Six, thank you. So, I mean, you know, I can wait one Sunday, two Sundays, but six Sundays. Six Sundays. That's, that's you know, three too many. So, uh, the Replay website still says 19. I wonder, when will we get Replay 2020? Because I've been listening to music. I want to get, let me quote again, my associated data insights where are they apple where's my latest listening activity and data insights so i wonder will we get replay 2020 each sunday as promised or will it be like oh yes starting in june instead of december so some you know i want to see i want to see what happens here it's probably literally just me who cares about this stuff. I'm pretty sure there's like a there's like a Taking Back Sunday reference in here somewhere, <laughs> right? But like I haven't nice. I nice. haven't yet like gotten around to it. Like I uh-huh. just, but I know it's in there somewhere. Um, I do remember this happening. I'm sure at some point, like the Apple Replay website had on it something about 2020. Like I have like a visual memory of that, but that could just be one of those things where like my brain is lying to me, you know, but it is, I mean, it's a shame really. I think like, I think this whole, I mean, I I think I said it at the time, but I find the Apple music replay website a little bit sad, honestly, Mm. because it's not as a, yeah, we mentioned this. They had to build a web app on top of their own API rather than put something in the application. Like the whole thing is just a little bit sad to me. 
you know, like the spot. It just all lives in Spotify, right? Like, and then they went like like Spotify Wrapped just is just there or whatever, mm-hmm. or like the Spotify playlists in general, like all of their uh, the playlists that they do, right? What what are they called? The weekly ones is weekly, right? Discover Weekly, yeah. Discover Weekly, you know, like all that stuff is just like in the app, and then their Spotify Wrapped looked like an Instagram story, like it was like a whole thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And the graphics were really great, and like you know bless them uh, over apple music they did something that was like they 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 gave you the bare bones but then it was just like oh but we don't know how to do anything else so yeah (laughs) and also we should say that that the spotify wrapped website like the whole thing as as sort of like a like a cultural impact like i've seen all kinds of people and artists post screenshots in their stories or on twitter with the you know with the top albums and top art and top songs and whatever included podcasts this year it was amazing yeah and I've seen literally nobody share anything no. from Apple Music Replay. So, like, it's a nice feature to have, but it's not as uh, inspired, maybe, as Spotify. I don't know. The only people I saw sharing Apple Music Replay stuff were people that used Apple Music and wish they had Spotify wrapped. Mm. Like, that was kind of it, really. <laughs> I mean, I believe in their ability to be able to do something like this because, cause, like, the Spotify one took time, right, for them to really work it out. And also, I think one of the really the Spotify wrapped thing is just a consequence of Spotify's business model, which is different to Apple's business model. Like Spotify's business model is to gather listening data because that's how they continue to like try and make their service better in general, right? Like that. So because they have all this data, they could just interpret it in different ways and serve it back to you. Like and this isn't really what Apple does. Like they rely way more on the human curation than the uh, algorithmic curation. Mm-hmm. So their ongoing efforts in this world, it's like a little trickier. You know what I'm saying? Like are you mm-hmm. following me, right? Or it's like it's yeah. just it's just di- it's just like a very different thing between the two companies. But then it really does show. I mean, it just it just looks a bit a bit embarrassing sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's just a consequence of their businesses being slightly different, I think. All right, we've got some more follow-up after our first break. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you need to create an online store or a portfolio, or a blog, or host a podcast, or have photo galleries. Whatever you need, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do that stuff. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You just don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed to show off your great ideas. You know, a lot of people in our circles are kind of the nerd that people know, and you may get asked to build a website. And I do that from time to time for people, and I do it on Squarespace because once it's built, I can show the person how they can go in and add content, how to add pages, rearrange things. And then they're just off to the races to keep their website updated on their own. It's really fantastic. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the show. 
Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We'd like to thank Squarespace for the support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, up next, uh, we have some long-term follow-up. Uh, I just wanted to note that there are still no GPUs or afterburner cards available for the Mac Pro to be updated. It's going on two months since this machine's been out, and no new cards, no nothing. I think we're probably more expecting the additional GPUs than the afterburner card changes, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd lump them together, but I, I expect that we will see GPUs. Right now, you can buy none. Like, even the Vega 2 and the Vega 2 Duo or whatever, you can't get any of them. Oh, you mean, like, to buy those things separately, separately in the yes. store? Yeah. Okay. You can't get the new video cards. I forget the name of it, but that's the one I'm I'm looking at. And then the Vega 2s, no, there are no add-on cards for the Mac Pro from Apple for sale yet. So that is a, that's a bummer if you've got a Mac Pro and want to update it. But And, I and expect- they still have a couple of graphics card options on the coming soon page on yeah. the configurator too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those haven't shown up yet. I expect with the situation in China and manufacturing that that's, this is further delayed. There was an article on Mac Rumors that the ship date for a lot of, a lot of stuff is beginning to slip, including all Mac Pros. And so... You know, the the manufacturing deal is going to take all companies, not just Apple, a while to rebound um, after, you know, this uh, outbreak deal gets settled, which is still very open-ended. If you want to buy a pair of AirPods right now, four weeks. AirPods, four weeks in the UK and the US. The AirPods never really caught up even from the holidays, but I think it'll get Mm -hmm. worse before it gets better. Also, in long-term follow-up, we spoke about the Twitter app, how you needed another app to make it better on the iPad. And mm-hmm. we have a tweet from listener uh, Dayton, who is working on an app. There's a test flight link on Twitter that is the sidebar app for Twitter. And you can put in notes and it syncs with iCloud with folders and tags. This looks uh, this looks pretty sweet. So you can use it as, as a sketch pad sort of for for Twitter. Well, also, you can drag and drop tweets into it and then perform actions on the tweets, which are either to like find out more about the person, or you yep. can look at the quote replies or all the replies for a certain tweet. Then you can save the tweets with notes attached to them for later on. Mm-hmm. And then once you save those tweets in, those people get saved into a directory, and then mm-hmm. you can go interview information about them. This is exactly the kind of app that I was hoping somebody yeah. would make. It's um, like really I, was, I was playing around with it just a little bit before we started recording today. And it's a test flight. I'll put a link in the show notes to the tweets I'm assuming that Dayton's cool with people signing up for the test flight, but this is the exact type of thing that uh, we were hoping someone would make. Because even though Twitter has fixed the problem, they fixed the problem by just adding all the space back in. And now I have like the hunger for, for more. And so I'm pleased that this exists. Yeah, it's really well done. I have it on my iPad and my phone right now. It's not syncing back to the iPhone. So, uh, Dayton, if you're looking for feedback, uh, I mean, let me know. Uh, I'm using the test light version. Uh, Stop complaining on podcasts, Federico. File a radar. Yes, I will. It's really well done. I love that uh, when you drop in a tweet, 
if it's being retweeted by somebody, you will get all of that information. Like you, mm -hmm. like you will get the original author, you will get the person who retweeted that tweet, and everything can be reopened in the Twitter app. And it's very clever because uh, the app is using the advanced search uh, parameters, which you can use in, in, the, in the official Twitter app. Uh, so you can check out all the replies to somebody. This is like something that you can do yourself if you know the syntax, but to have a proper UI that is so nice and so convenient. I mean, this is an excellent idea. If you can get the CloudKit stuff to work, Dayton, this will be really, really good for me. So it's thank a beta, you. you know. So let's, let's, I assume it's pretty early on. It's called Tweet Notes is the name of the app currently. Yes, yes. Uh, but I am really excited to see this. This is like a cool thing. Oh, and also also Dayton, uh, as, as a beta tester, um, one suggestion would be on the iPhone, let me uh, paste a tweet uh, as a link. So yes. if I have a link in my clipboard, I should be able to either have the automatic detection. So if I have a twitter.com link in my clipboard, the app should recognize it, but also there should be just a, a paste button to paste the link on the iPhone. That's it. I'm sure this is how Dayton wanted to collect feedback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and the longest term follow-up at this time, Google Docs and Sheets still has no multi-window support on iPadOS. I don't think it's going to happen, you know. Nah. Well, it's... to be honest, though, I feel like... What was the last thing? Uh... Drag and drop, maybe? Yeah, probably drag and drop. And it did get it, but just not good. But, like, I don't. I want multi-window for Google Docs way more than I wanted drag and drop. Like, this... Because it's like... This is like... Gen this would be very genuinely very useful for me. Like... A couple of days ago, I mean, it's good that Safari is so good now, but like I had to open a Google Doc in Safari on one side and then the actual Google Docs app on the other side because I needed two docs at once. Like I say, like it isn't as dire as it was would have been if Safari wouldn't have been so heavily updated um, because previously it would be like, oh, you can't even look at this. Go download the Google Docs app. It's like, well, that's no good, is it? Uh, but the fact that I can basically treat treat it well but i mean but then even like copy and paste is worse in safari google docs than the real google docs so i don't know i don't know i just want them to add multi-window so badly and i'll be really really happy but i don't think it's gonna happen while we're talking about things google docs doesn't have i would love dark mode me too yes I, I don't use dark mode on the Mac, but I do on my iPad and iPhone. And mm -hmm. increasingly, it is the most regular app I use that doesn't support it. Mm -hmm. It makes me sad. Because, <laughs> you know, like y'all, sometimes I think about something for a, a show note in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, I need to add that to connect it. Yep. And then I get blinded. <laughs> yep. We have some follow-out. Relay FM has two new podcasts. Mike, do you want to tell us about these? I will tell you about mine, and then you can tell me about yours. So uh, both me and Stephen have new shows with technology YouTubers that we really enjoy. So I have a show called The Test Drivers that I'm hosting with Austin Evans. Austin is one of my very favorite tech YouTubers and has been for years. And on The Test Drivers, we want to put tech through its paces. So we're going to be taking technology from all different kinds, whether it's smartphones or laptops, gaming consoles, PCs, the whole thing, and really kind of like test stuff and help you, help our listeners decide what might be their next devices. So we're really, really excited about this. Our first episode is about the Galaxy S20 because it just came out and Austin had his hands on it. So we go in depth on that. But we have like loads of things. We're taking a, a page from Adapt Book and we're going to be doing some challenges at some point in the future, like 
can you live on the original iPad for a week? Or I now own a Windows laptop. So that's like a whole thing. So there's, we're going to be digging into lots of different types of technology, talking about them in detail and really putting it all to the test. Um, so I'm really, really excited about this show and you should go check it out. It's very good. I very much enjoyed episode one about the S20 line of phones that was introduced this week by Samsung. Very awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the second show is called Flashback. I host it with Quinn Nelson of Snazzy Labs. He's the guy who took apart the Mac Pro and has done a bunch of hardware stuff over the years. He's a real interest in how things go together. All of his Mac Pro coverage has been amazing. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, Quinn's awesome, and we've become friends over the last couple of years, and so we've launched this show together. It is uh, a show this season is about covering technology products that failed or were ahead of their time. The Newton people got mad at me because they called the Newton a failure. So, look, the Newton can be good and also a failure. Sorry. Uh, That was episode one, talking about that product, where it came from, its flaws, its good things, how it sort of impacted the world we still live in. The big question we answer every episode is what can we learn from this product? So the Newton was episode one. Uh, In a couple of weeks, we'll be back with the Zune. That'll be episode two. I can't wait for the Zune episode. Oh my God, I'm so excited for that one. Yeah, it's recorded and partially edited. And I really enjoyed that conversation. And then episode three will be about this weird electric car app uh, that <laughs> that Apple made. Oh, boy. This weird electric car that GM made in the 90s. So uh, kind of all over the place as far as different products. But we uh, there's so much interesting stuff to talk about. Um, and that will be out every other Thursday uh, starting in a couple of weeks. So we are really cool. excited about that. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep, so you can go get the first episodes of both of those right now. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes, but it's the test drivers and flashback. There was this really funny tweet uh, from Taylor. Uh, they said uh, about flashback in particular that uh, it, it it feels like a podcast of the stuff that Mike and Federico won't let me talk about on Connected. And Taylor, you were right. I don't know how you think that this applies to just flashback. Do you not remember the 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 anger and the uh, apathy that was faced upon me when I wanted to review the Galaxy Fold. What's not anger? Not from you, Federico. Oh, yeah. There was another member of our our podcast who was... Jason. No. Well, I see this is the other thing, right? Like, no one would talk about foldables with me, so I found someone that would. Yeah. Wow. So you you have a new dad. It's not us. Well, uh, we're both... We're (laughs) both Quinn and uh, Austin are much younger than me and you. It's true. We're really old. That's what yep. we've learned. Also, Quinn is very tall. I've never felt old before. I feel old now. So anyways, go check those out. We have spent a lot of time working on these shows, and we're really excited to get them out there. Uh, seriously, yep. it's been... The last day and a half has been a lot of fun. And really wild and very busy. A lot of things. It takes a lot of mm-hmm. buttons to push in the right order to launch two shows. Yeah. And uh, Google Podcasts, any day you want to update your directory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so happy. It's not the Just best. any day now. Mm-hmm. Any day. Whenever you want to do it, we'll be, we'll be excited. Uh, I wanted to just mention something and then ask a couple of questions based on it. So I saw that Apple a couple of weeks ago, they updated uh, the iCloud.com website mm-hmm. with really nice mobile versions of some of their applications. So they've basically revamped 
the photos and notes and reminders and also find my so you can go to these webs like go to iCloud.com in a web browser on a phone and it looks and acts mostly like the notes app or the reminders app which i just thought was really cool um on the face of it seems like a strange thing to do right like because it's like why did you do that i mean it's been useful for me uh, in trying like i i actually prepared the notes for some of this episode on a windows laptop uh using the icloud.com notes app just to see hmm. what it was like i just went to see how it would work and it worked great so i was really happy about that um but obviously you miss a lot of the operating system tie-ins right so like if you say you wanted to use this on an android phone you can't share links directly to it because it's in a web browser. Right. Right. So it made me think, like, in Apple's services world, is there, like, a place where they would ever do this? Like, make actual, say, Android apps of these types of services? Do you think that... Can you imagine that, right? Like, I know in the past, it's just like, oh, no, they would never do anything. But they've been, like, slowly opening the door a little bit, even including making these web versions, right? Because no one on an iPhone needs the web version of Reminders. Yeah, the only thing it lets you do is, I guess, if you're on someone else's device, log into your account on an iPhone. But I I think this is like right at the pain point of Apple. It wants to be a services company more and more, but mm-hmm. the iPhone revenue is still too important to like unlock a lot of services from the iPhone. Like iMessage yeah. is the biggest one, right? There, I... I don't think it's coming to Android anytime soon. These, though, are less important, but still really baked into the iOS and macOS ecosystems. And so I I don't see them doing this as long as the iPhone revenue is still the primary driver for the company. It's sm- a smaller percentage overall than it was a few years ago, but it's still the biggest. And I feel like they want to give the iPhone special treatment in their services you know, honestly, I don't know if Apple Music would be there if it hadn't been for the Beats acquisition being the, the foundation of that. Maybe eventually, but I don't see it in the cards anytime soon. I mean, I think it would have been now because they did Apple TV, right? So like... Yeah, maybe they could have done that jointly. Yeah, like notes and photos and stuff. I mean, on one hand, they're not high impact, right? Like notes and reminders, like it could be fine. They could score it out an Android app and it'd be, and it'd be fine. But I kind of think they like that stuff, make... You know, hey, it works really well. All this stuff is really cool if you buy a thousand dollar or six hundred dollar iPhone. And imagine if they wanted to charge you for, as in you like everybody, for an iCloud service, which included notes, reminders, and iMessage mm-hmm. on other platforms. Right. So, like, you could pay X amount of m- a month and you would also be able to access messages and notes and reminders on Android or Windows. Hmm. That's it. I mean, I I still don't think we're that close to it, but that seems like in the world that Apple seems to be playing in now, that could be the last last way to juice the revenue. You know, like they're yeah. like, oh, we make these three services. We think they would be really useful to people, including photos. If anything, photos actually has like a maybe an even better value proposition, I think right? So too. Like, well, you could say to someone on Android, like. Yeah, you use Android, but maybe you don't want Google to have your photos. Well, you can pay us and we'll store them for you. That that does raise the question of who this would be for. I think there's two main categories of people. The person you just described that has an Android phone but doesn't want to go all in on Google services, 
I don't know how many of those people are out there, but there's got to be some of them. Mm-hmm. But if you look at just sheer numbers, there's got to be a bunch of Mac users who use an Android phone. And right now that's a pretty broken experience. And maybe that's enough people who they'd be willing to pay. Like, I don't know. I think either way, though, it's not a huge market. Well, I think the iMessage one, though, isn't even just about like your devices. Like People want iMessage on Android because their friends will have iPhones, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for this conversation, iMessage is like not happening. But you know, maybe maybe there are enough people who live split lives that would want this. I don't know. I'm not – I don't know. Um, I think it's cool they did the website for a long time. If you just went to it, it would like just showed you like iCloud is the thing. <laughs> Goodbye. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Like, why is this here? Yeah. yeah. And so that is cool and it's great that if, you know, you just have your spouse's phone and you need to look up something in your iCloud account, you can. But I don't know if this is like a gateway to bigger things yet. Yeah, it was just really intriguing to me because this is not a nothing amount of work, Mm-mm. right? Like they're actually really nicely designed web apps, and I, I was surprised by that because it's like, well, you know, I, I mean, obviously they are assuming the primary use for this is people on other devices using these things. Because it, it, I get what you mean, but it is—it seems like a really narrow use case to be like, if you want to access your reminders list on somebody else's phone and you don't have your phone with you. Oh, yeah, all of it's narrow. But so it was just cool to see. Mm-hmm. Can I get a quick reminder from everybody uh, about our kind of stance on the Cybertruck again? Oh my God. Again? Yeah, there's a reason for this. But like, I, I just need to remember how we're all feeling about that. The Cybertruck. Is that the name? Cy- Cybertruck? Cybertruck, yeah. The Cybertruck is uh, an offense to to human taste okay. is it's it's the uh most uh, see ugly doesn't even uh, ugly doesn't quite define it it's offensive it's offensive in a way that taking the mona lisa and painting over it would be offensive it's it's offensive in a way that you almost can't believe that a person came up with it and yet they did and 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 somehow some people, they're all part of this collective delusion that it's genius, while in fact they've all been tricked into thinking that that making something so preposterously ugly could be considered genius. That's my stance. All right, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, Stephen, where are you sitting on Cybertruck visually more than anything else? It is hideous, but also it's a bad pickup truck. Okay, cool. I have a link for you both to something called the Cyberphone, which I put oh, in no. a document. Oh, no. Uh, I just want to oh, get your oh, overall feelings. Why are you doing on, this to me? On this. Uh, so this is made by a company called Caviar, which you re- may remember as the company that made an iPhone uh, 11 Pro to look like an original iPhone and then put a piece of a Steve Jobs shirt inside of it. That's creepy oh, do you remember this I, no i have blocked that out yes i i um uh, unfortunately i do i will put a link in the show notes to the unbox therapy youtube channel uh where lou from unbox therapy unboxes one of those so he had one of the uh superior steve jobs edition phones so this company caviar this is what they do they take iphones and they do bananas things to them and they sell them for like a hundred grand or something um, but I just wanted to get, you know, so so Federico, how do you feel about Cybertruck styling 
added to the iPhone 11 Pro. I feel like I I need to disconnect from Skype and cry because do you this see is... that? Do you see the image down below where they put like a front part on it, which is meant to look like a truck bed? Yeah, and it flips around and makes a stand. Yeah, this is a piece of per- performance art, right? This is not a real product. No, they are gonna. They have ninety nine of them, and uh, you can buy it for like a hundred grand. No, they don't. No, they don't. It's this is all. This is all fake. This is all. This is all like like a like, Federico, like a viral. This is a real company. Like this, this is, is a real not company. A real company. This is a a, a shell company. Oh, here you uh, go. They have fi- it's five thousand nine hundred and ten dollars, and there are seventeen left. It starts at that. You can get an iPhone 11 Pro Max 512 gig for $7,080. Why? This is Because this people is want these things so they look different. Like, oh, right? this is the company. MKBHD did a video about one of their other yeah, phones. Yeah, he did. That one of their gold ones, and it's like 100 grand or something. Yeah, oh, we'll put that oh. in the show notes too. This is a real company. They do, they do things, you know? Like they, <laughs> they're not necessarily good, but they, they do, do them. Someone wants this. It's not us. Yeah, somebody does want this. If so, if anybody wants this, I think you should reconsider many things about the electronics that you like. As you cannot possibly like this. If any of our listeners have ever purchased a caviar phone, just write in. We won't name you if you don't want to be named, but like I'm just No, no, like to I get like you got money to spend and you want to prove a point and you purchase the the what's it called the cyber phone uh, and you purchase the cyber phone case do you actually like it or is it more like to prove a point like I, I, this is beyond me this, this this whole thing i i don't understand it's like i'm looking into a black hole and i don't understand what i'm looking at i i don't know oh, they also do custom designs i am mm. speechless they have like uh web tool where you can build your own um weird looking iPhones. Go to no. constructor. Wow, this is no. incredible. There are a lot of options available in this. It's a thing, I guess, if you're like an oligarch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, guess. there's a there's a market for that and they sure listen to connect it. You or know? like a Saudi got, prince or something like that. We got that sweet, sweet oligarch audience mm-hmm. in our follow up emails. Oh, they uh-huh. also sell really expensive vape pens. Sure, why not? I mean why not, right? I mean, again, if you're a fan of this of the caviar, Royal Gift is the full name of the company. Sure, you you're gonna buy I'm just looking now, um, the grand complications case. There's oh, the... it's got the tourbillon on it. That one. That's this is the one that MKBHD. Uh, it was a version of this, I think, that that he uh, looked at. But it was one that was more expensive than the one that they're showing here on the website. But I mean, who wouldn't spend fourteen seventy dollars on the leather AirPods Pro case, right? I mean. What's fourteen? What's fifteen hundred dollars for you, really? It's like one point five dollars. They color the AirPods oli- too, if you want that. Sure. I mean, if you're an oligarch, this is like we were talking about mods before. This is ultra level mods, right? This is yeah. This is as as big a mod as you can get. Yeah. So the 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 oligarch modder community, I'm sure they're all over this website. Uh, yeah, and the Cyberphone is the most... No, it's not the most expensive one. The most expensive one is the iPhone 11 Pro Superior Jobs uh, one with the T-shirt inside. 
Oh no, there's an even more exp- Oh, there's there an you even go. more. Oh Look, you no. You can get lost on this. Oh no. Oh no. S- hold on. 76,000 dollars. Which is that one? Universe 2 Diamond Gold iPhone case. It's like it's No, uh, I found another one. $128,310. The Credo Christmas Star. It's a it's a it's a nativity scene. <laughs> it seems like Did you say nativity scene? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're getting the Christmas spirit, you know? <laughs> I mean Oh, it's 140 grand if you get the Pro Max. Sure. Sure. You know, just you know what? You do you. Sure. This is a thing that we now know exists. Like many other things in the world, we just need to accept it. I've made my own design. Oh, yeah? I'm going to send this to you. Okay. How much is it? Uh, I don't know. i got to take a screenshot of this. So what you can't see in this screenshot is on the sides, you can include text. And so one side, it says connected, and the other side, it says Relay FM, just like imprinted. Oh, nice. nice so nice, let me nice. put this, uh, get you a link here. I will put this in the chat room so everyone can see it and we can judge my creation. It'll be in the show notes. I wonder if this is going to be better or worse looking than Cyberfine. Uh, Find the cost. Whoa! Oh, wow. Approximate cost $4,621. I mean, honestly, what is this? A life and love? It's not that much different. I mean, you might as well just go for it, right? Oh, yeah, you went for the fleur de l'ornament. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a nice touch. I'm yeah, familiar yeah. with that. Oh, the Armenian coat of arms. That's sure, like a good, that, Of all sure. the coat of arms, that was that's, the right one that, to go for. The Armenian one is the good one, I hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to <laughs> yeah. make sure you get the Armenian coat yeah. of arms. Big fan of the Kardashians, Stephen is. Who? Yeah, the, the four, you got the Forza plate. Oh, the Forza plate, good uh, And it's seven micron. Uh, yeah, because I've seen some people get the like the eight micron, no. but with the microns you want to get as small as possible. So like if you want to, if you can get the six micron version, that's gonna be even better. Yeah, and this is the caval- caviar atelier version, so extra fancy, Steven. Look at you. And I put Look my Twitter handle on there, so if I leave it at the gym, they know how to get in touch with me. Yeah, that's good. Sure, this is a. You, Michael, you have ruined my existence with this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is literally the worst thing you could have ever done to me, uh, this website. Anytime. What, because now you're going to go buy something? Well, actually, I want to call them. They have a hotline that I can call. They have a hotline? There's There's a number at the bottom. You can call them. Or you can WhatsApp and Viber them. I'm going to Viber them. You're going to Viber them? Yeah. You can uh, give them your contact information, and they will contact you about creating this phone. I'm giving them Mike's phone number. Great. <laughs> Good. That's what I deserve. All right. Submit Why? an order. Leave the contact details, Why? and the personal manager will calculate the exact cost and due date for you. Your email will be sent price and details with the selected options. Can you pay by check? Probably. You need to pay $70,000 via credit card. I'm not sure I have that monthly capacity. Oh, you <laughs> got to get the Apple card. Okay. That's that's <laughs> that. That's <laughs> All right. Let, let's Why? take a break and we'll regroup oh. and we'll keep moving through these topics. I need to take a shower after this. Okay. You go do that. Bye. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Direct Mail. If you're looking to grow your customer base, connect with fans or build a following this year, A super cost-effective way to do that is to reach people with email. 
For over 15 years, Direct Mail for the Mac has been the go-to email marketing app for businesses, nonprofits, and schools, and other organizations who want to expand their reach and connect with customers. It's designed just for the Mac, so you can get all your work done in half the time using all the Mac tech you've grown to love over the years. Drag and drop, keyboard shortcuts, integration with other apps, and much more. Direct Mail has eye-catching templates that are infinitely customizable to look great on all devices. Direct Mail has a helpful customer service team staffed by real human beings. There's no chat bots or AI here. Just friendly people ready to help at no extra charge. Send your first campaign today with a free download of Direct Mail. Listeners of this podcast will also save 10% off all of their full feature pricing plans. Head over to directmailmac.com connected and experience the top rated email marketing app for the Mac and see how they can help your business grow. Our thanks to Direct Mail for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. I built one, mm-hmm. so I'm going to put it in the in the uh, in the chat room. I'll put it in the show notes too, so everyone can see the fun that I built while you were reading the ad. Um, so there you go. That's that one. That's my special design that I have made uh, based upon the options that were presented and available to me. Uh-huh. What do you think? It is. <laughs> So I've this made like... the I love cars model where I've made a black phone uh, which has both a Ferrari badge and a Mercedes badge on it. And then just to make it very clear to people, I have, have a nameplate <laughs> that says I love cars. Uh, the, the left engraving says speed and the right engraving says room on it. <laughs> just so a, people know. Did a car put together this case? Because this... <laughs> 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 What's the cost, Mike? <laughs> oh, I haven't found out the cost yet. Find the cost. $5,230. You are really driving home the point that you are driving a car, home. A car Yes, a car person. Yes, I'm you big are, car, big car you, boy. You totally are not overcompensating for your lack of knowledge about cars. Or owning, ownership of a car. Or ownership of a vehicle. <laughs> yeah. like I, don't, I don't need to own a vehicle because I love cars this much. I almost I don't want to subject a car to being driven around because I love put, them too bad. Put wheels on this case and just slide around London. I was your... just genuinely really excited that they had any car badges and then the fact that you could put two was just hilarious to me. I can have two car badges. <laughs> I can have a Range Rover badge. It's great. This is so good. I'm so happy this thing exists. And I look forward to seeing all of the creations with connected audience. Uh, you should oh share my, them with us What, what have we done? What, why? Not We've done yet. a good thing. And I hope that somebody accidentally buys one. That's what I really hope. <laughs> Considering they have to email you to order it, I don't think you can accidentally... It's not like you trip over the pay with Apple Pay button. Moving on... Finally, Swift Playgrounds has made it to the Mac. The Mac can now develop software, guys. This is huge. That's great great news. It's great news. It is great news. It uh, seems that it is built with Mac Catalyst, which it is built with Mac Catalyst. The irony of this is amazing. (laughs) Why? That it's not Xcode for the iPad, but it's a development app written for the iPad that came back on the Mac where Xcode lives, but right. with Mac Catalyst and not as like a... It is funny that the only cross-platform development tool that Apple's ever shipped is Swift Playgrounds. Like, that's just like a, a fun thing. It's yeah. not what we would have guessed. Yeah. Right? No, no Xcode for the iPad. Swift Playgrounds on the Mac. Here you go. Because people were thinking Xcode for the iPad would exist 
mm-hmm. the year that Swift Playgrounds uh, yeah. existed. I remember John John Voorhees, that's probably not his real name, says that it's a friendly, easy-to-use environment <laughs> for experimenting with Swift ideas and concepts, and the lessons available are excellent. It's a fun, funny timing. Um, I assume it's just the Swift Playgrounds team have probably been working on this since the tools became available to them. I, I like that they've done it. I think it's just a good thing. Like Apple should be making Mac Catalyst apps, if anything, yes. so the teams inside of Apple can also provide useful feedback um, to the Mac Catalyst, whoever is available, like uh, responsible for Mac Catalyst, right? This is the term dog fooding, which I do not like because I don't understand why it's called that, um, but I don't like it. Don't need the explanation. No explanation is good enough. Um, just this is this is Apple kind of like putting their money where their mouth is, really. And so I think that's kind of cool. So you don't want me to read the Wikipedia page for dog fooding? You might as well read it now to try and stop the people that have opened Twitter to tell me. Under origin of the term, in 2006, the editor of IE Software recounted that in the 1970s television ads for Alpo Dog Food, Lauren Green pointed that he fed Alpo to his own dogs. Another possible origin he remembers is from the president of Cal Canned Pet Food, who said, who was said to eat a can of his dog food at shareholder meetings. What a weirdo. All of that is completely unacceptable is the reason for why this became well, the term let me in read software the next development. Paragraph, Mike. In 1988, Microsoft manager Paul Meritz sent Brian Valentine, a test manager for the Microsoft Land Manager software, an email titled Eating Our Own Dog Food, challenging him to increase internal usage of the company's product. From there, the usage of the term spread through the company. Why didn't he just say, let's use our own software? Well, he wanted to be edgy because it was 1988 and everyone was hopped up on cocaine, so... That's where it came from. Why didn't he just say, like, get high on our own supply then? Mm. So anyways, I, 19- I'm just unhappy with that phrase. It's a very like 1980s it. Microsoft thing. Can we just can we just agree mm-hmm. on that? So anyways. Developers, developers, developers. That was the 90s. All right. So we want to talk some about Apple News. This is, for, this is one of those things that got pushed last week because, well, if you listen to last week's episode, you know. Real the- time follow up. Wait, no. I needed to say a thing about Swift Playgrounds on the Oh, Mac. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let, let's let the Mac expert speak. Please. Yeah, I was out. No, I was still thinking about Mike's uh, car case. It's it's so good. Um, <laughs> I see, You've been building uh, your own. Is no, that no, what no. You've I been? was I was taking a look at the picture and I was trying to imagine like what was the thought process behind putting two car logos on it. It's, it's perfect. It is you have achieved perfection with this uh, case. Um, Thank you. Swift Playgrounds on the Mac. At this point, it feels pretty obvious that there's one piece missing from this structure that Apple has, and that would be Xcode on the iPad, uh, because we have uh, more or less uh, platform unity everywhere. We have Swift Playgrounds on iPad, Swift Playgrounds on the Mac, Xcode on the Mac, and now Xcode on the iPad. And so I believe, and I, and I'm, I, and I think I mentioned this uh, actually with John on App Stories of, or last week or a couple of weeks ago, that I could see a scenario where Xcode does come to the iPad eventually. Maybe this year? I, I really think it should be this year. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while now, but this year feels like a good moment. But really, I could see a scenario where it is, Xco- it is Xcode, and it does let you create apps. It, it lets you sideload apps on your device, so you have a sort of an end-to-end uh, solution to write apps on the iPad and run them on the physical device, not in a simulator. But 
I could see why, and I'm gonna, you know, some people may be upset at this notion, make Xcode Swift only. And by that, I mean Swift code and Swift UI code. So no interface builder, no objective uh, C, all in on Swift and Swift UI for, you know, and you could see the Apple pitch be like for the next generation of coders, yep. uh, we want to have a clean break. Well, they're not going to say that, but you know, the message will be that, that it's a, it's a, it's a future proof product built for future technologies. And that would be Swift and Swift UI. So no interface builder on the iPad, which would be complicated. Uh, I mean, it's an iPad, so it doesn't have the, the, the screen real estate of a Mac or an iMac or, you know, an external display. Uh, so doing away with interface builder would, help with that and to have Swift UI code and just Swift would remove a ton of baggage from from the existing product. I could see Apple doing something like that. And it wouldn't be a simplified version of Xcode. Like it would be a, a modernized version of Xcode because you could still it's not like yeah it's Xcode but you can actually write real software. No, because we've seen new apps uh, and existing apps implement Swift, implement Swift UI. So it would be the real Xcode, and you would you should be able to write actual apps and write commercial apps with it. It just wouldn't have all any of the old stuff. So, I mean, it would, it would be an easy way, at least, to I guess slim it down mm. if they wanted to do that. But it would be also a bit of a cop out as well, right? Like, wouldn't wouldn't it be more impressive if they could say like it's the full thing? Yes, yes, I agree, I agree, but. I don't know. It just it would be an Apple move, you know, to remove certain features and be like, no, no, this is the real thing, but it's for a new generation of programmers. You know, they, they it wouldn't be unusual, is what I'm saying. But yes, I agree. I would very much prefer to have the full thing, like it's a one-to-one port, just like uh, Swift Playgrounds on on the Mac. I mean, it's lacking ARKit for obvious reasons, but otherwise they managed to have a more or less full version uh, of playgrounds on the Mac. So, and it's also a good message. Like I feel like the past couple of weeks we've seen Apple try to change the conversation around Catalyst, which is another point that I wanted to make. First with the changes in 13.4 and then the other beta versions. And now leading by example with porting Swift playgrounds to the Mac using Catalyst. Uh, it feels like in the span of a couple of weeks, the overall conversation around Catalyst has changed at least a little with the, with all these improvements and now Apple demonstrating how a complex app can be ported to the Mac using Catalyst, which I was not expecting. Sorry, Stephen, you can go ahead with Apple News now. Let's talk about Apple News. So there was a story in Bloomberg last week that the head of business for Apple's news app uh, stepped down after... I think what we can all all say being a a kind of lackluster launch year for Apple News Plus. The executive's name is Liz. mm, I should have seen it. Smile, smile, smile. It's like smile with a C. Skymel, 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 Skymel. Anyways, uh, they are outgoing. Uh, They joined in mid 2018, uh, coming over from huge publisher Condé Nast. So pretty short run at Apple. And, uh, of course, Apple didn't comment. This is from sources. Their job was to oversee relationships with advertisers and news publishers, which, if you remember from the News Plus launch, that was a big conversation about some publishers just weren't going to do it or they weren't happy with the terms. And 
I don't know. It, it really kind of spun up a bunch of ideas for me around Apple News and Apple News Plus. But let's start with this. Do we find this news surprising? Not really. I, I don't think it's it's surprising at all. And and we've talked about Apple News before. Just to sort of reiterate my my opinion of it, I, I think it's a bad deal for publishers. The there's two problems to this approach uh, from the publisher side. You're giving up too much control for to get essentially in return what exposure on a on a service that isn't really meant for you know, promoting individual stories. And I'm referring to News Plus. It was a product that was designed for the magazine and newspaper experience. And Apple has tried to try and break it down to being able to to have it be a little more modular in the sense of promoting individual stories, promoting individual articles. But really, it is meant to give you access to magazines. And most of them, they do not take advantage of the native format that led to actually let people browse your magazine by sections or by stories. So you're giving up too much control to be on a service that is very much designed for an older generation of users. If you don't want to, if you do want to go after the new generation of users and use the proprietary Apple News format syntax, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to make it happen for your CMS. And even and we mentioned this last week, even if you have a, a CMS plugin, it is not guaranteed to work well and it's not guaranteed to get updates that frequently. So you keep stacking one problem on top of the other. So you have the magazine experience, which is not really well designed for a web-first publication. And then you have the custom syntax and this ecosystem of plugins that may be broken or may be slightly updated. And then you have the fact that if you want to have a good integration, you got to write it yourself. So there's the cost of supporting a syntax and a publishing system that only works on Apple News, where, and this is where... Uh, I guess the Americans would say the box stops, maybe. Mm -hmm. You're not really making that much money from it. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> it's where, like, the, why, where the nickel stops. Yes, like, why go through all this trouble and all these, and consider all these little issues, not so little issues actually, and inconsistencies and complications for what? To get like less than 50% when you account for all your costs and expenses? Um, I don't know if Apple News Plus can be saved. I've seen some people speculate that it should just become part of, a, of an Apple service bundle. And that I would be inclined to support. Like, yes, maybe that's a way to save Apple News Plus. Maybe that's a way, there's a way for publishers to make some money off of that. But it feels like all the excitement surrounding Apple News Plus has essentially dried down very quickly since it launched last spring. And, and if you're a publisher... I'm guessing that you're maybe better served by rolling your own thing. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, you have your own subscriptions, you can make your own deals, and you can fully control your CMS. You don't have to, you know, it, these proprietary news services, they come and go all the time, and, and it's sort of a sad to see that News Plus may be just another one in the mix. The business model that these services seem to provide now is not really needed this was maybe a business model needed many years ago mm. but as apple is seeing and as is even reported in the story many of the larger publishers 
have worked this out for themselves. Like this is almost like a reverse of what is happening to companies like Netflix, where well, where like all of these companies had joined in to like to allow their content to be streamed on streaming services, but now they've all realized that the money is actually in creating their own service. So they're like slowly unbundling themselves from like companies like Netflix. Netflix obviously works out a long time ago. They have their own content, blah, 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 blah. But my point is like, I actually now don't think that any of these news aggregators could have ever worked no matter how soon they came into it because they're able, because these companies are able to roll their own and be successful with it. Because as we've said many times, even on this very episode, you are able to make more money if you're not being put into a pool. Because why hope to get a sliver of $5 a month from Apple mm-hmm. News Plus if you can maybe get $3 from your customers directly? Mm-hmm. And that's what all of these these services are doing. So, like, really, I just don't think this is something Apple can pull off. I, I think this is one of those situations where they get lost in their hubris of thinking, well, we're Apple, so why wouldn't you want to work with us? It's like, well, because your value proposition just cannot be good enough. Like, it's nothing to do with them. It just cannot be good enough. Now, you know, there might be a way that, like, as you say, if they bundle it in with another service, carve out a little bit of money from each of those subscribers instead, you might be able to make more money overall, right? Like, I bet if they were to, you know, create a new bundle, which include Apple News, iCloud, like the bundle we've always expected, right? The Apple News... Uh, Apple Arcade, Apple TV Plus, iCloud Bundle, if they were to carve off like 2% of the value of those subscribers and put it into Apple News Plus, they'd probably make more money that way. It's like maybe that's a better value proposition for trying to convince publishers, right? To just be like, well, now the overall Apple News part is worth this much to you rather than what it was when we were just trying to take it out of individual subscribers $5 a month. So maybe that can give it a boost, but I really just don't think that enough publishers are going to want to get on board with this. It just doesn't, for it to make sense for anybody. And if the content isn't there and the subscribers aren't there, then then it doesn't, it just doesn't work. I had asked people on Twitter for their opinions, people who are using uh, and liking Apple News Plus, and I got a bunch of stuff that I just wanted to share. Um, lots of people mentioned keeping it for access to sources like the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal. Those papers and others provide content to News Plus, but it's not necessarily everything. And you can't log into their website with like a News Plus login. So if they have their own paywall, it is separate. But people who just wanted some of their content, they were happy with that. Uh, A lot of people mentioned that they may, or their families, because it's part of uh, family sharing, you can get this content for a lot cheaper than if paying if you're paying for two or three magazines on their own, which makes a lot of sense. You can bundle the cost. Uh, some people are getting all their news from Apple News, and so that, you know having just additional content in there they like. And all that said, a lot of people had complaints about the UI, the fact that a lot of magazines are just PDFs. Very good, like you said, the Apple News format is tricky and expensive to work with. Sharing and saving for later, also pain points. Someone mentioned that I tried to download some magazines to read on my iPad on a flight, and it didn't work, and I didn't have anything to read. That's that's a bummer. Uh, so that offline viewing is a, a space for 
additional work. But there are people who are out there using it, even if it's not just for us. And I think especially if you're already reading two or three magazines or people in your family are, it's a pretty good deal. And so if you if you fall into that category and you're willing to put up with the downsides, it's still a legitimate product. But I, I think it's clear it's it's missed the mark for most people. And I can't imagine that Apple is happy with the reception of it so far. All right, we are going to end this week uh, with a fun segment, but first let me tell you about our third sponsor. That is Setapp. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Setapp from MacPaw. Setapp is one of the best ways to discover apps for your Mac. It's got a program for virtually every task so you can be more productive. Setapp has a dedicated curation team. They only select the highest quality Mac apps, so you don't have to search for the best tools that are just already there in Setapp. And it's a great value because it packs more than 170 apps into one. So instead of paying you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for separate app licenses, you just pay one flat fee every month for Setapp. New apps are regularly added, updates are free, and all the apps are their full-featured pro versions. Head on over to setapp.com to try Setapp free for a week. And if you like it, you pay $9.99 a month for as long as it's useful to you. And I bet it will be. Once again, that's setapp.com to see how it fits in with your workflow on the Mac. Our thanks to Setapp for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so we wanted to end the show by talking about things that we are enjoying, and we sort of put some limitations on it that it's not Apple stuff. So it can be tech or it cannot be tech, but just some things that you know we have found enjoyable so far this year. Uh, Federico, do you want to go first? So I... I really wanted to have this topic this week because I need to talk about something that Mike will appreciate, but you will have no idea what I'm talking about, Steven. Oh, boy. And I think Mike knows what I'm about oh to mention. Oh, my God, I know what he's going to do. <laughs> this is hilarious. Federico proposed this topic, then didn't write any notes in the document yeah. because he really wants an outlet for this right now, and he knows Steven wouldn't leave let him do it. So, Federico, would you like to talk about Pokemon uh, Home? Yes, thank you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it is a tech product because mm-hmm. it is a, a web service it is an android and ios app uh, and it actually if you pay for the so hold on uh, pokemon home is a new cloud service from nintendo to let you store uh pokemon in the cloud that you can then transfer between <laughs> what games. a great phrase to store your pokemon in the cloud exactly so it's a good. cloud service to store your pokemon and transfer them between uh different games mostly the idea would be to to get old Pokemon into the latest uh, Switch games, which, Steven, are called uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Now, Pokemon Home has a free tier, but also has a premium version uh, with a bunch more features, and the premium version actually uses the Apple native renewable subscriptions. Um, I signed up for the premium plan last night, and I, sure enough, was an iTunes subscription, so that's nice. Um, so, Pokemon Home is amazing for a bunch of reasons, but really, I'm going to try to simplify here. It's the only way right now to bring your old Pokemon into the Switch games, at least some of them. But really, the appeal of Pokemon Home is that you can, and I've seen people have already done this, um, you can register, you can transfer game, uh, Pokemon from the old um, GameCube games or the Game Boy Advance games. We're talking here about... 15 uh, years? 15 maybe? years, 17 yeah. years uh, worth of retro compatibility. 
It really is kind of incredible. It like is. It, it's in, very difficult to do this. Like yes. so to get a get to get a Pokemon from a Game Boy Advance game to uh, Pokemon Home requires many old systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, but here's it is why, possible to do. Here's why I believe Steven will appreciate this. Uh, those old games are running on the Nintendo GameCube or the Game Boy Advance, which launched, really the Game Boy Advance came out in 2001, if you think about it. It's really old. And of course, they, the GameCube and the GBA have very limited, if at all, online integration. And back then, if you wanted to transfer Pokemon between games, you uh, you had to use these custom cables that were not even USB cables. They were like Nintendo cables, like they were called the the, the Link Trade c- cables. And you can you you could do this crazy setup with like connecting a Game Boy Advance to to a GameCube, and and have like <laughs> two screens at the same time. It was wild. Uh, but what Nintendo did is fascinating here. Because if you transfer, so you have a Game Boy, and the Game Boy, Game Boy does not go online at all. It doesn't have the internet, the Game Boy Advance. But what Nintendo did when they launched the DS, so the original Nintendo DS had retro compatibility. So in addition to playing Nintendo DS games, the DS also had a GBA slot. So it supported uh, Game Boy Advance cartridges. And so what Nintendo did, they... If you had an old Game Boy game inside the GBA slot and you were playing one of the Pokemon games for the Nintendo DS, the DS game could see the cartridge and it could let you transfer those Pokemon from the GBA to the Nintendo DS. Now, the Nintendo DS does go online. And so Nintendo, years ago, launched this other original web service called Pokemon Bank, which is like the predecessor of Pokemon Home. So... What they were able to do now with Pokemon Home, they have full compatibility with Pokemon Bank. They have restored the Pokemon Bank service, which you can now use for 30 days for free. If you want to transfer all your old Pokemon, you better hurry because in theory it's free for 30 days. Um, So you can get all those Pokemon that maybe you caught in the days of the GameCube and through some steps, and there's gonna be there's YouTube videos that maybe there's one of them that Mike uh, or Steven you should put in the Mike has the link, so please put it in the, yeah, in the notes it. because it's so fascinating. Uh, you can transfer them from the GB from the GameCube to the GBA, from the GBA to the Nintendo DS, from the Nintendo DS to the original Pokemon Bank service, and from the Pokemon Bank service you can go to the 3DS which is the successor to the DS. And then from there, you can put them in Pokemon Home. And from Pokemon Home, if you want to, you can transfer them into the Switch games. So we're talking here uh, four, five generations of consoles that are that now have some basic form of transfer between them for pieces of data, because if you think about it, the Pokemon is essentially a piece of data with a code and some abilities, and it's like it's uh, it's a piece of data that can travel sort of like in time from the days of the GameCube and the GBA all the way to Pokemon Home now, and I think it's just incredible that you can do this, and it's it's complicated. It gets complicated if you want to do this whole thing. You will need cables an old original hardware, but you can do it. And in fact, I am doing it. I, I still have my GBA and I have my Nintendo DS and the 3DS. I don't have a, key, a GameCube, uh, but I was able, for example, uh, to get w- my Pikachu mic from Pokemon Yellow. 
So this is the wow. po- the virtual console version of Pokemon Yellow, of course, um, that I had on the 3DS. That Pikachu is now in my Pokemon home, and I can transfer to Pokemon Sword. And on how the did you do that? Like, so uh, you went from on the 3DS. So on the 3DS, uh, yeah. there's a uh, Nintendo uh, made this utility called Poke Transfer. Yeah. And Poke Transfer is basic emulates what the DS was doing. It recognizes if you have virtual console games installed on your device. Right. And it says, okay, do you want to take these Pokemon from these virtual console games and you want to put them in Pokemon Bank? And then from there, you just do the bank to home transfer. Uh, so I have to oh, get my 3DS now. Get your 3DS. Download Poke, Poke transfer, transfer. And Pokemon okay. and Pokemon Bank. You can find them on the eShop. Pokemon Bank, you can use for free for 30 days again. And then you just go from there. Uh, it's, it's really remarkable to hear. And it's so unusual because... You know, most of the time, video game companies, they don't care about backwards compatibility. Um, but this is, like, next level. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, there are a lot of, like, issues with this, which isn't perfect, right? And no. people are upset about it. And, like, some ways are wild. Some ways I do actually do understand. Um, but just the idea that this exists, like... We need to step back and realize how incredible it is that Nintendo and the Pokemon Company mm-hmm. are enabling this kind of thing because it's wholly unnecessary, but amazing. So, Yeah, and just to give you a frame of reference here, uh, Pokemon Colosseum, which was a Nintendo GameCube game, came out in Europe and America in 2004. So that's a 16-year-old game that... In theory, I mean, in practice, you, you can, if you have the proper equipment, you can transfer data from that game all the way to your iPhone uh, with, the, with the Pokemon Home app or to your Nintendo Switch, which, it's, frankly, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a remarkable technical achievement. So that was my pick. I'm very pleased that we got to talk about that for a minute. <laughs> Steven? I mean, you gotta appreciate the, the backward compatibility aspect. Come on. No. Just nothing. He's gone. All He's right. Gone. Oh, I'm just muted. Mm-hmm. Stephen, are you actually there? He's <laughs> not anymore. Did he leave? He left. Did he leave? Oh, hey, guys. Did you leave? I, I don't want to answer that. Oh, wow. That's what? next level. I oh I'm really the sad. The disrespect. I'm gonna hear it in the edit. Wow, he did leave. Wow, and I was wow. trying to break it down for you and to because there was an aspect that I that I thought you would appreciate. I'm very sad. Mike, you're up. Uh, I want to talk about some pouches that I purchased uh, to make my packing a lot better. So Do I, Pokemon go in them? You, you, we're not talking to you about Pokemon anymore. You can stay out of this. No. Uh, the, the, what I went with was two... Uh, well, I have three total, but two different types of pouches from Bellroy, um, which is a company that we've spoken about in the past before Federico bought some cases. Do you still mm-hmm. use the Bellroy case at all? Oh, yeah. I have it on right now. Like This is the one with the wallet in the back, right? Yes. All right. So I went and bought these uh, little pouches because... Travel enough, and I have like a full like kit of travel stuff, 
attachment. Sometimes I take a carry-on. Sometimes I take a backpack. It depends on if I'm going away for maybe like a longer trip or a weekend or whatever. And I was finding myself like being frustrated at having to try and get things out of separate pockets. And, you know, like I was trying to be organized, but the organization made it more difficult for me to move from thing to thing. So I decided that I would get pouches uh, and move this stuff around. This is after watching many YouTube videos from Chase Reeves, who makes just the best bag videos. And Chase is mm-hmm. always talking about having this type of stuff. And he really heavily recommended a lot of the Bellroy uh, packing products. So it was what I went with. So uh, the tech pouch and the other tech kit and the classic pouch, uh, these are the two that I went with. Um, the tech kit is like a brick, basically, and you can fill it up and it has some organization in it. Um, and I thought I would also run through what I'm keeping in each of these because I thought that might be of interest to people. So in my tech kit, I have my ZMI power pack. If you're long-time listeners of the show, may remember mm-hmm. this as the battery bank that was really exciting. And then I bought one and then nobody else could ever buy one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. I still use mine. <laughs> it, that thing lasts forever. Like you need to charge it. That thing is like very serious. It's like... Sure, it drove the company bankrupt. But yeah, <laughs> for a beautiful moment in time. <laughs> it is really good. Uh, I have an Apple Watch cable, a Lightning cable, a micro USB cable. I have a US 18 watt USB C iPhone charger. This was the one that came with the Pro Max because Stephen got me that phone by surprise during the podcastathon. Mm-hmm. But this one, this one doesn't have like as some US chargers do, where you can take the little part off Stephen. what is that called when you can like take the little part off of the power brick the duck head duck head it doesn't have one of those like it's actually built into it like a big block yeah but it's a good one to have and then i also have a 10 watt iphone charger that has the removable adapters like the duck heads right so that one i just have and i i don't have anything plugged into it like i don't have one of the little duck heads plugged into it i'll get to why in a minute then I have a 61-watt USB-C MacBook Pro charger, which I use for my Nintendo Switch, my MacBook Pro, my iPad Pro, uh, any USB-C device that I take while I travel. So that's all in the tech kit. Then in one of the pouches, I have some, a couple of like generic plug adapters for Europe and US, so you can plug in like a regular plug into the in like a uk plug into it and i can plug into a european adapter then i have various international apple adapters uh i actually bought one of those like international kits i saw it on sale once you know what i'm talking about like the apple international kit thing yeah they recalled a bunch of them last year yes i think it was after that i hope it was after that no (laughs) no, i checked it actually and it was fine i checked it i remember that now it was like a certain color if it was like colored in a certain way, it was recalled. But I bought that and that and it because it was on sale and I needed like three of them, so I now have them. Um, I have uh, lightning ear pods, the cable one, uh, USB to USB C dongle, a hyperdrive. You know, like one of those little things goes into a MacBook Pro and you get a bunch of ports. Yeah, and then a HDMI cable. Can either of you name why I have a HDMI cable in my uh, Bellroy pouch? To watch keynotes in hotels. Perfect. That is exactly why. Because I always end up needing it, so I just left it in there. Then in the second pouch, I have just an iPhone 11 Pro smart battery case. I have some expandability in this second pouch. Uh, so for other stuff I might want to put in there. And I just find this so much easier when moving from thing to thing. So I recommend this. If you travel frequently and are not putting all of your tech gear into reg- in just pouches, you should do that. 
Yeah, I've got one by a company whose name, the Tom Ben, the Tom Ben Snake Charmer is the one I have. I had that one before and I found that it was just too big and bulky. That was that was what I was moving from. Yeah. I had the Snake Charmer and it there just wasn't enough organization in there. I just it was just like I was digging through it to always find stuff and and I much prefer this like smaller and more organized. I prefer Yeah. That. Yeah, it is it is a little floppy, but I like that I, I don't have I mean, I'd, I'd rather dig through something, I think, than have, like, everything in its place because what I what I carry in that changes over time. Um, but the Bedwire stuff looks really nice. I, I, I'm glad you're happy with it because this, this can totally change the game. And, and one thing that you can do, too, is if you have extras of this stuff, like, have a travel kit that you never go into, right? Like, mm-hmm. just like I do you – know, a lot of people do it for, like, a bathroom kit, right? Like, there's a toothbrush and toothpaste in there that never comes out. So when I travel, I know I could pick this up and it's like one unit of stuff that I need to take on the road. Yep. Uh, so mine, I've got, I've got two and they, they, they go together. Um, and this is not a, uh, these people who make this first one, they're fine, but they, you know, this is not a product placement situation. Um, but Mike, you and Gray have Cortex notebooks. You have links in the show notes to those. Where you can it's called the theme system journal. Yes, that is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gray theme. calls it the Cortex journal all the time. Um, and also, is it product placement if you can't buy the product? It's bad product placement. But I'm just saying, like you know, like you paid me for nothing. Uh, it's not supposed to talk about that. Sorry, uh, I'll bill you. So, anyways, mm-hmm. the theme system journal has spots for, of course, journaling, which I I try to do daily, and then you can track themes or things you want to keep up with. And I found this very useful over the past couple of months. I started doing this in January. Uh, I'm not going to share what's in mind. That's A, too cortexy for this show, but B, mostly private to me. Um, but I find it very useful to track certain things over the course of you know weeks at a time. And, and so I've been very happy with that. And um, it's a great product. I really like the layout and it, it fits well with what I want. Uh, they'll be on sale again at some point in the future, I think, but not currently. Yeah, who knows when coronavirus, and I'm not even kidding. Yeah, uh, it killed uh, Mobile World Congress and your notebooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the digital side of it for me though is the app Day One, which we've spoken about before, journaling app for the Apple platforms, and I like to do journaling and this sort of stuff manually, like in a notebook with a pen. But I want to digitize it to have it in the future, even though I keep the notebooks. And I've shared pictures over the years of my field notes collection that I have a field notes notebook with me all the time. And I write in them a bunch for a bunch of various things. And then I scan them as PDFs, but then I also keep them on the shelf because they're colorful and look cool. I will do the same with the theme system journal, but I want to digitize this stuff. And so I have uh, in day one, you can set up multiple journals. And so I have one called logging. And it's where either scans or photos of these pages go as I fill the notebook up. So I can I can very quickly go back to a single day's journal entry, even if I don't have the notebook with me. And of course, lots of other uses for day one, but this is how I use them together. And I find that system to be pretty good because maybe I want to do a daily journal and I don't have the notebook with me. Maybe I left it in the office. I don't want to go back, come back out here. Then I can just do it in day one in that journal. And then the next day, just go back to the notebook and then take a picture of it and have it in day one. So it's kind of a blend over time. But the two of these things I find very helpful in 
sort of daily journaling and, and keeping tabs on various aspects of life that I want to keep tabs on. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I find that quite interesting that you do scan it all. It seems like it's such work. It is a bit of work, but um, mm. I also like that I have a folder with a bunch of PDFs of all my field notes from like 2011 forward. So, mm. um, and that is handy in particular because like a field notes, I'll burn through about one a month. And very often I need something that was on like the last two pages of the previous notebook. Like if I'm in a meeting or something or on a call and I can just very quickly pull the PDF up and have those, that reference there. So uh, I kind of like the duality of it. I like that you take more notes on notebooks than I do. All the time. I mean, it's just always open. It's just the my journal and then the notes when I'm recording. That's it. Yeah, I do it for recording, you know, for edit notes. But I have like a little checklist in here from when we launched the shows the other day of all the things I need to do. Like I, just, I find it to be a very useful tool. All right. I think that does it for this episode. If you want to find links to all the stuff we spoke about, including photos of Mike and I's glorious iPhones... Uh, go to the show notes. They're in the app you're listening to us in, or they're on the web at relay.fm slash connected slash 281. While you're there, you can get in touch. There's an email link there. Uh, you can choose to support the show. There's some membership links in the sidebar as well. Uh, you can support what we do here at Connected. You can find us all on Twitter. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of shows on Relay, including The Test Drivers, his new show with Austin Evans. Go check that out. It's really an enjoyable first episode. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Federico, do you have anything exciting coming you want to tease for MacStories? Um, well, not in the short term, okay. I think. Yeah, okay. I'm working on it, but it'll be a while. Okay, we'll check back in on that. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my work at 512pixels.net and most recently the Flashback show here on Relay FM. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Direct-to-Mail, and Setapp from MacPaw. Until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.